broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Midtown Business Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your afternoon yet again today. Here we are approaching the end of the year already. I can't even believe it. Can you believe it? Joined in studio, as always, by producer extraordinaire Krista Baruti and voiceover talent as well. Oh, what else do you want to throw in there? She's made the to the movies a few times. Maybe, She's published. Maybe. Did you have a good holiday? I did, and I can't get over the fact that it's here and almost gone already. I know. Tomorrow's our last day to splurge. Drink (laughs) all the wine and beer you can and eat all the food. Do I have to wrap it up after that? Well, no. We just don't talk about it on the air after that. Oh, (laughs) okay. I see. Then uh, then I start looking like I have a problem after that point. (laughs) Well, we've got a full studio today, so we'll get down and we'll uh, meet our guests today. We've we've been uh, real pleased to bring t- to you some uh, folks from the business to business community around Atlanta uh, with all kinds of solutions that can help a business uh, trying to grow either through brand awareness or uh, just getting word out about what the solutions are that they provide so we'll jump right down to it we've got Abe Siong of Government Tr- Contractors Association I met Abe through LinkedIn actually he was mm-hmm. doing a post um, talked about uh, an encounter that he had where his car was struck and it was an interesting story so maybe we can kind of learn a little bit about that and then you brought uh, a couple of folks with you that you've met through your organization. So thanks for taking some time to meet us, Abe. Oh, CW, thank you for having us here. <laughs> and he brought along with us, uh, with him, Dr. Barbara Culp of Amira uh, Tutoring Services, Tutorial Services. Sorry, thanks for taking some time. You're welcome. And uh, Buki Opanuga is uh, with us from Motivate, and we'll learn a little bit about what they do over at Motivate. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and we've got Kenny Miller. He's the uh, National Director of Sales for Sweet Life Systems and is also um, with NFB Consulting. So we'll be learning about the solutions and products that they provide uh, for folks with network monitoring and a variety of uh, uh, electronic and systems type monitoring services. Yes, sir. Thank you. So, Abe, take me through your story a little bit. Tell me, you know, kind of what got you to where you are with, uh, with the association. And then, uh, uh, you know, if you want... You know, we can share a little bit about the story of the that you wrote there. Your post, I thought it was kind of interesting. I've shared some of your experiences, uh, you know, on a personal level. Um, the, the the story I'm talking about uh, was a post that you made that uh, you had a car parked out someplace, and uh, you came out one day and saw that it had a big dent in it, and you're like, "Oh man, somebody hit and ran my car!" and turned out someone actually stepped up and uh, showed you that the, the human can be a, a, a good thing every once in a while. So share that story with us, and then we'll sure. go through your background and wh- what you got to doing with government contracting. Th- thank you. Um, yeah, I was, uh, you know, sometimes you lose faith in humanity because you get burned from time to time. And so I was on a trip to D.C., and while I was up there, I was trying to grow the association up in D.C., and so we had a second chapter that we were growing up there. So I had parked my car in, in the crowded streets of D.C., and then I went to uh, eat and then came back, and then someone had hit my car right <laughs> on the side. Uh. <laughs> and I was so discouraged. And, you know, you know, it's, it's, I just bought the car a few weeks ago. Oh, no. And so I'm really discouraged. And then I'm thinking, what should I do? And then I look, looked around the car, and then I saw in the, in, next to the windshield was a small little white sheet of paper. It started to rain, and, the, and the, it started to smear a little bit. Oh, no. It's like a movie. <laughs> and I looked at it, and then it says, I hit your car. Please call me. And so I said, wow, people are actually good around. You know, not everybody is out to just get you. Right. 
So I was really encouraged by it. So I called her. She said, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I've already called my insurance company. They're ready to take care of everything that, you know, I, I hit it. I'm so sorry. And she took full ownership of it. And within 30 minutes, everything was taken care of. And I drove back to Atlanta totally content and happy. And it restored my faith in humanity a little bit yeah. more. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're willing to, to share that story because my reaction to it was much like you've seen here in the room. Everybody's like, oh, man, that's awesome. And, and right here in the holidays, it's a good time to be telling stories like that because obviously we've had dark news uh, of, of late in, in the world. So being able to hear that we people can actually do something right and, and uh, step up and, and uh, do something for the greater good, that's awesome. Um, you know, so introduce us to the Government Contractors Association, how it got its genesis and kind of where you fit in with the small to medium-sized businesses that are trying to work with a variety of government agencies. Sure. Well, it says, you know, just picking, picking back on the last story, you know, it goes to tell you that I decided to write that story on LinkedIn and post it up, and that's how, mm -hmm. I'm you glad know, you did. yeah, CW and I met. So, but uh, my story is this here. I'm originally from Laos and came to this country when I was a young child, and Laos is a third world country. But when we got to this country, I was really blown away by the opportunities in this country, and as a person from a third world country, Laos is, you know, the average person makes about $300 a year. And so we were, we live up the mountains and people call us the rednecks of Laos. Mm. So we were, we were the rednecks of Laos. <laughs> Didn't, you know, we had a, write a written system just about 50 years ago. So coming to America was quite an adventure. We were about to land in Ohio and we were first of all scared to get on the airplane. But when we were about to land in Ohio, as we were landing, we looked out the window, we saw all this nothing but whiteness and we thought goodness we're gonna die in america <laughs> and it's nothing but a land of white sand there's nothing here no green no trees no nothing and someone had to explain to us that it was Hadn't snow, snow. <laughs> oh, wow, and, that's awesome. and we don't have a word for snow <laughs> so they had to explain that it's just frozen rain it just flakes and it's gonna melt and when it gets warmer the green trees and plants will grow back up again so it was quite a venture come here but because of that, I've always just had appreciation for the opportunities we have in this country. Mm -hmm. So from a young age, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. So I started my first business when I was about 19, 20 years old. It was a comic book baseball car shop and had a lot of fun with it. We had a Mickey Mantle rookie car, a Willie Mays rookie car, Michael Jordan rookie car. Had a lot of fun with that. Then I decided I wanted to be a missionary for the rest of my life. So I sold everything, went overseas to be a missionary. Laos wouldn't let me back into the country, so I decided if I can't get back to Laos, I'll come back to the U.S. Came back, lasted five months in corporate America. It was awesome <laughs> for other people. <laughs> it wasn't for me. <laughs> so I said, let me start another business again because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you, you, once you taste it, the goodness and the freedom and the opportunities in the, in the entrepreneurial world, yes. you always want to get back to that world. So I decided to get back to the world uh, entrepreneurship, and I had $300 to my name. And I thought, you know, I can start another business. So I started another business, grew that business. In five years, I amassed more than $10 million worth of furniture. I decided to sell that business, got into real estate, invested in real estate, and then the market crashed in 2007. <laughs> so I lost everything during that time. It was challenging. But then finally, I said, you know what? God opened doors and closed the door. He's just closing this door, and let me move on to something else. And that's when I discovered government contracting. So I met a gentleman. He had retired from the, the Army. He was a contracting officer. He's awarded over $5 billion in government contracts. And he says, you know, Abe, I don't know everything about business, but you have all these years of business experience. Why don't we do something together? 
And so as a result of that, I got into the government contracting world. I immersed myself into it, fell in love with the industry, started working with businesses, helping business grow in the government market. But then what I saw was this here. I saw that a lot of small businesses had opportunities in the government space, but they didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And as a consulting company, we charge a lot of money, and most small businesses can afford services. Right. So I thought, you know what? Let me leave consulting and start an association. And so I decided to start the Government Contractors Association so that I can create the training materials, the curriculums, the software, and do something that's never been done in the contracting world so that small businesses th can afford and can find a way to get their f find their footing in the government space. And so that's kind of how I got to the association. That's my roots. So, so essentially then you're now able to make these types of informational offerings of what to do, the type of forms you need to do, you know, to complete, who you need to interface with, all of that available for basically what it would amount to, I assume, a membership fee to, to be a part of the association then. Yes, for, a, for being a member of the association, there's a lot of benefits and privileges to being in that there. And so you have access to information. We put out a lot of content and so that mm -hmm. business can have access. But then we have a great coaching program that will guide a business step by step through the whole contracting process from inception of for new companies, how to get started, to existing company in terms of now that you're in business and you've, you're at a million dollars, how do you get to $10 million in the government space? And I actually brought two companies here with me today. I brought Buki with Motivate and also Barbara with Amira. And they've gone through the coaching program and they're at different stages of our program. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'd like to share that uh, Barbara just won her first government contract, but I won't steal her thunder, <laughs> so, sh so she can share that about that. And then Buki, she just won her first 8A certification, which is a very important certification that will open up doors in the government space. Wow. And I was looking at your website earlier, government, the largest consumer in the world, and I, I believe that, um, probably for, for, for good or for ill. I mean, obviously, if you're a business, um, that's a great thing. And so talk about that. I had no idea that uh, that, that was true. And, and, and I'm sure that uh, there are a number of businesses that have some sort of product or solution that could serve the needs of variety of government agencies. It's pretty broad spectrum, I suppose. Sure. So w when I discovered the government market, what I realized is that our federal government is the largest customer in the whole wide world. Our federal budget 2014 was about $3.5 uh, trillion. And then in terms of what we award as government contracts was $461 billion in 2013. 2014, the year just ended, we're at about $400 billion that we awarded. Now, just to kind of give you that scale, if our budget, the $3.5 trillion, was a country by itself, it would be the third largest country in the world. Now, if our federal budget, in terms of what we spend as government contract, which is $461 billion, if that was a country by itself, it would be the top 10 country in the world. The, just to kind of give you a little scale, the country where I'm from, Laos, the GDP of Laos is $6 billion. <laughs> and we award $461 billion. <laughs> so that gives, you a little, yeah, that gives you a little scale of how much we actually spend. Yeah. And so when I saw that, I saw that businesses in America, based on the SBA size standard, businesses, small businesses represent 99.7% of all companies in the U.S. And 
16% of federal dollars are going to small businesses. Mm. So small businesses represent the bulk of American companies, but they're getting Very only 16 re representation yeah. on the side of the contracts. And then I saw that woman businesses represents 51% of the population, 41% of companies in the U.S. are owned by woman businesses, and they're only winning 4.3% of federal contracting dollars. Interesting. So lots of opportunity for you to help expand that. Yes. Yeah, so, so it was the disparity that I saw that existed, and I said someone needs to do something that's different from what's existing out there to really help change this tide here. And so I did it. To me, it's social entrepreneurship. I, I feel like I had a knowledge and an experience and, and expertise in the industry, and there was a great need for that. And so I decided to wrap my arms around that and use my experiences to support and help businesses in this government space. Apes Young of the Government Contractors Association is sharing some information with us about how the small business community can do better with regards to doing business with the government. And, and can you talk about what is the difference? I mean, if there are some, I'm sure they're important as it relates to doing business with the government versus just general, you know, commercial business. Yeah, there's vast differences. So the government space, I call it a different language. It's a, I call it governees. <laughs> and so speaking a whole new con uh, a new language, like a new country. So when we came to the U.S., we had to learn English because, you know, we're right next from Laos, so we didn't speak any, <laughs> any English. Right. So, so we had to learn a whole new language. And so in the, in the government space, you know, if you're a business that's successful in the commercial sector and you want to transfer to the government market, there is a whole educational system, registration process, uh, acronyms that you have to learn. So I'll give you a quick example. Any He said, turn to the right and look in camera. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a new language. And so that's why I do. I, I act, first I act as a translator in the government space, teach you how to find opportunities, how to write proposals, how to get registered, how to perform on your contract. And then I teach you how to speak the language after we do some translations for you. And at some point, you, you can stand on your own and, and really go in there and break into the space. Now, did you just say something really funny about us? Is there a bunch of people out in the world out there just totally laughing at these people here that you just said this to? Well, you need to find a translator. <laughs> I'm, I'm trusting pulling you. up Google Translate now. <laughs> so tell me about the services. You've, you've talked about some coaching. Um, and... You know, walk me through what 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 am I going to get? Uh, you know, as as it relates to my business, I've got a small business of some kind. Obviously, we've got a tutorial services company. We've got uh, Motivate here. I mean, what what do I what can I anticipate? You know, as a benefit for for linking up with you, how are you going to help me? Sure, I want to highlight two things here. One is we have a coaching program, and in the coaching program, we walk you through step by step. So I meet with a business owner once a week for about an hour and a half or so, and we take your business for where you're at, and then we talk about what needs to happen next. And so we talk about some specific tasks that needs to be done. So for example, uh, Kenny has a, has a uh, technology company, and, and so we want to take him to the government space. So we would actually meet, find out where they are, have they done any government work, and then once we identify those things there, then I would say, okay, Kenny, for the next step, I need you to go to sam.gov. I need you to register in that database, and to register in that database, we need to find your NAICS code, we need to get your DUNS number, we need to get your bank account, you know, your EIN number, all these di the different things in place. Then once you do those things there, then you can register in SAM. So 
So that week, Kenny will go out there and execute those tasks. And next week, we'll come back, and I say, okay, how did that go? Kenny said, well, Abe, I didn't know what Nake's code was. I said, well, I gave you the link, and did you miss the link? Kenny said, no, I was drinking too much wine during that. <laughs> it's the holidays. It's the holidays. And we're back. <laughs> And so, and so we, so I will give Kenny a hug and say, "Okay, do better next week." And then next week he shows back and say, "No, I still didn't do it. You know, I'm, you know, things are not quite done yet." And then I might give give him a, a kick in the shin and give him some love. Mm-hmm. And so I hold you accountable. I help people through the whole process, but I show you and I demonstrate. Make sure it's done right. That's the most important thing. And so as we make progress week after week, eventually we'll get to the point where not not only are you learning the language and you're you're actually getting registered already, then we'll show you how to find the opportunities. There's FBO.gov, there's FedBit.com, mm-hmm. there's multiple different resources that you can go and find opportunities. I'll show you all these resources, and then you go and look at the opportunities. I'll say, okay, that might be a good fit, that project might be a good fit for you. Let's pull up the solicitation, let's see if that's a good match for your company. We'll read through that, and, and then we say, okay, let's come up with a response in terms of how we write a proposal to address this project here so you can win that project. And we go through that process, and, and after some, some proposals that, that we submit, eventually you're going to win some contracts, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about how you service these contracts, how to stay in compliance, and how to close out the project. So that's the coaching process. It, I take you from the very beginning all the way to the very end. As much as you need help, I'm here to support you. And my, my benefit is that I've got a lot of commercial experience, and that I have government experience, so I understand your struggle, but I also understand the government space and bringing that together. What do you think are the biggest hurdles? Do you have to be in business for a period of time before you're able to go to the government and secure a contract? Uh, Yes and no. So Barbara has no experience in terms of a business. She had a business name and she started as a brand new company. Right. And so she was able to uh, get a contract in less than a year. Okay. And then, and then, but in general, the answer is yes. You I have you had to, to have be for two years or something like that. Maybe it's a particular space because I came from the physician staffing world, and they do work with the government, um, you know, federal hospitals of different types. For example, staffing physicians and so forth. And I'm pretty sure those companies have to be in business for two years. But I didn't know if that was general across the board. What they look for is they look for past performance, I see. and so meaning that you have experience in the industry, and so. If you, if you are a company that have a lot of experience, then obviously your chances of winning contract is better. If you have no experience, then your chance is very nominal. And so the more experience you have, and so there is no time requirement in terms of being in business. The only thing that's required is your experience, past performance. And so, but if you're trying to get certification, like for example, Buki got her 8A certification, they do require that you're in business for two years before they award you an 8A certification. Okay, and when we jump on with you, Buki, and bring you on, we'll, we can talk more about the 8A cert- certification and what that means uh, okay. for, for a business since you're going to be obviously a, a new expert on that, on that subject. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so are, what, what makes it hard to stay, you know, able to do business with the government? I mean, is, there, is it once you begin to interact with the government doing business, are there things that make it difficult to maintain that status, or is it kind of once you get to that place – where you've gone through, it sounds like the front end is one of the places where it's very difficult, obviously, in terms of all the different things you have to complete and the pieces of information you have to provide. It's it's mildly cumbersome, sounds like. Um, But once you're there, once you've gone through that process and you're now able to do business with the government, is it difficult to maintain that status? Uh, Unlike the commercial market, the government allows you to actually grow and scale a lot easier than the commercial market. 
because contracts are what they call uh, one year plus three option year or five years. And so you have these long-term contracts. And so, yes, it's hard to get your first contract, but once you have it, it's easy to build upon that. And so there's some pros and cons. Now, in, re in, in terms of some of the challenges in the government space is it takes a lot of infrastructure to prove to the government that you can do the work and because they don't know you and they're held accountable to the citizens of the of, of our country and so because of that they're held to a high standard and so there's processes that they have to go through check marks that they have to mark off but as a result of that as a business when you start winning these contracts you can grow one contract after another after another and I've seen companies go from I've worked with companies that have gone from zero to a few million dollars in three years or less. Mm. And so it's very possible to grow very aggressively in the government space. Well, let's talk a little bit with Buki. Introduce us to Buki, and then we can kind of tie in some of these other things here with, with what you're doing. Sure. I, I have a, the opportunity to meet Buki at a uh, woman's event. And um, so we've been friends ever since. It turns out we went to the same church. Right. And so... <laughs> You know, so we became friends, and then Buki said, you know, I'm really trying to get into the government space. You know, can you, can you help me through this process? And so she, she got into our coaching program, and so Buki would motivate. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your company and uh, why you decided to go to the government space? Yes, thank you, Abe. So I am, uh, once again, Buki, president of Motivate. And uh, essentially what we do is we provide digital advertising, marketing, and uh, technology solutions uh, to businesses. We've been in business for about seven years. And so we, we literally got to the point last year where we needed to grow in, in a certain direction. And, um, you know, like Abe said, we, we met at an event. I think he was, uh, he was teaching. And I got an email from the women's group talking about, hey, you know, we have a government contracting expert coming in. So I, I didn't know anything about the, uh, the industry. I thought it was interesting, and I signed up and went in there, and uh, it, was, it was totally captivating. You know, you're a small business. Um, depending on how you get in business, you know certain things about what you know. And so getting introduced to what the opportunities are out there, um, it, was, it was quite mind-blowing for me. Um, but I, at that point, I realized, you know, this is an avenue. This is a whole new world that obviously exists. Um, I qualify as a business. Um, there are lots of opportunities there we can grow and I, I wanted to learn more about it and really, uh, really dig in. And so that's kind of how uh, we started the journey. Uh, it's been about uh, 18 months or so since then. Uh, we have made a lot of strides. Like you said, we got approved for the, the 8A program, yeah. um, which is uh, it's, it's, it's highly competitive um, and there are lots of things that you need to do. Uh, um, so it was, a, it was a great journey. Uh, since then, we have formed a lot of relationships in the government space. Uh, typically, you have to then start to um, decide which agencies, which government agencies you want to work with, uh, start to form relationships. We've been able to do that. We've been able to actually do some small work uh, with uh, the state of Virginia and also the CDC uh, here in Atlanta. So we, we're poised you know, to, to win in um, you know, bigger contracts and being able to perform like he was talking about you have to have the past performance and um, again to have the good relationships and you trust you that you can you know deliver you know to the American people and so we're we're definitely positioned uh, to do that tell me more about motivate you're you're in marketing digital marketing sounds like is kind of right. a heavy focus so we're talking about search engine optimization search engine marketing pay-per-click kinds of things that's right um, social media I would assume is some, some right. of that yes. strategy as well who was your prime focus before we started doing business with the government agencies mm -hmm. who did you have kind of a set of 
you know, industry spaces that you tended to be working with the most? Or? So we had uh, most of our clients were small businesses. Um, you know, we're very active locally. And so we tend to get just general small businesses um, that need our help. And so we can do anything, anything from building a small website to building an e-commerce website to building custom web, web applications, uh, running digital campaigns. And so we would service anything from we have some nonprofits and we actually have some Fortune 500 companies uh, that we did some work for. So it's pretty much across the board. And was it mostly local companies here around the Atlanta metro area that you were working with? We do have local companies. However, we also have companies across the country. So we actually also had a situation where some other digital agencies in other states um, we're comfortable sending some work to us to subcontract, and that's actually something that's very big in the government space. So, uh, for me, it was a great, you know, understanding because that's something I already do in a commercial. Uh, but we're actually able to subcontract work with them, and so we end up getting uh, the opportunity service clients uh, in in you know far-reaching states, and actually also in Canada. And I see in some of your suite of services, enterprise social computing. Tell me about that. I'm 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 just learning some of the languages. I'm getting mm -hmm. a minor uh, MBA here through the show as I meet all these different folks from all these ver you know <laughs> verticals. And 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 social computing is not something that I've heard. So w what does that mean? So that essentially is a way of creating systems and platforms that allow. Um, large enterprises and also governments to be able to interface with the social world. So, you know, everybody's making this transition to the, uh, to the social space. And so they need systems that allow them to be able to also make this transition, but also be able to have all the checks and balances that need to be in place so that, you know, things kind of get done the way they need to get done and they get represented properly. Now, are you, is it talking about interfacing with social media out of something like a CRM of some kind? Yes, yeah, social media platforms and also existing social media tools um, that are out there on the commercial side. And so with Motivate, which obviously was serving the commercial arena, you know, in a variety of, of uh, industry verticals, take me into where the government needs to interface with digital strategy. Where, you know, where do you provide your solution for the government? So right now, um, there is a shift in the government space where they are setting up accounts and all you know, all the major social networks. Uh, what we're finding also is that some of them end up having to have several, several accounts doing, all, you know, all kinds of things managed by people in different departments. So essentially they need, first of all, they need some training to understand really how to do social. Um, you know, the government is kind of famous for always being a little bit behind on the yeah, rest, you know, the right, rest of right. the world in being able to do the, the things right and being able to get the right people to do the right things and approach it the right way. Uh, so first of all, they need a lot of training in getting to understand how social needs to be, um, how each of those accounts really need to work, which ones are necessary, which ones they need to cut back on, how to get all of them kind of feeding into the same system so they can have people who need to check and make sure things are getting, you know, right things again said. Um, all of those systems, you know, typically need to be in place. And then it needs to, you know, all be channeled together so that the right, you know, contracting officer or whoever it is that needs to kind of oversee that also is able to have access to it. And everybody kind of has, you know, the right level of permissions that they need. Interesting. It's a lot more in depth than I would have anticipated. When <laughs> I was thinking about it from the standpoint of marketing services, I was thinking more of the perspective of Motivate helping a, a government agency, you mentioned the CDC, mm -hmm. trying to put out information that would be useful um, for you name the you know particular right. health problem that they're trying to increase awareness on. So it would be, from my perspective, I thought it was going to be helping them 
better do that, better get that information right. out there through social media channels, through right. digital marketing uh, uh, strategies. But it sounds like you're doing deeper diving yes. in that. So it's definitely helping with getting information out, but also deciding how the information needs to be formatted and how it needs to be sent out and how it needs to be stored. Now, we talked about the 8A certification program. What exactly is, does that mean? What does it do for you? So it is a program that's for uh, minority disadvantaged businesses. So essentially you're saying that you are a minority and there, there you've had maybe some scenarios where there has been some um, possible discrimination and you feel like you're at a point in business where getting the status is going to help you break through certain barriers um, that exist, uh, you know, for, for you as a business. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to go through this long process where they verify who you are, ownership of the business, and once you get certified, then they're able to contract certain, you know, projects to you with less uh, less paperwork, I essentially. Mm-hmm. Now, just out of curiosity, we also have a show on our on our uh, studio here with the Georgia Minority Suppliers Development Council. Right. Are you f- I are am. You yes, actually, we're a member of that Do you interface with well. the GMSDC? Yes, yes. Have you ever been on their we've show? Actually, uh, no. We've we'll actually have to done get some you work linked with up with Stacy Key over there at the mm-hmm. GMSDC. <laughs> Get you some airtime over there on their show too, so sure. since you can, you know, obviously share uh, some information that would be helpful to their constituents as well. What kind of advice, you know, as a business owner who's begun to work with uh, Abe's organization to learn mm-hmm. how to better work with the with the government? What kind of advice would you have for your peers in the in the marketplace who are thinking about, you know, building a business and you know, and more as it relates to this conversation, working with the government? Right. I would recommend um, that folks really, first of all, decide where you want to take your business. Uh, there are lots of opportunities in the commercial space, and there are lots of businesses who never even venture in the government. But if you're looking to grow in the government space and you think that the opportunities that exist out there and also the status of who you are, the size of your business, the services you offer, I mean, we believe the government buys everything. Uh, but within the government, you have to decide and figure out which one of those agencies actually buy your services. Mm-hmm. So you do need to do a little bit of a soul searching to, to understand where you want to take your business. Like Abraham was saying, it's a different sandbox. It's a mm-hmm. different playing ground. You have to understand how they like to play and be willing to abide by the rules and make sure that you, you're also willing to kind of be in it for a little bit of a long term. So you're not trying to just get in real quick, a few months, and you know you want to make sure that they're comfortable knowing who you are you're comfortable revealing all the information and being as transparent as possible and positioning yourself and letting them have confidence in you. So once you decide you really want to do this, you want to do this for long term, you think it's going to bring a lot of growth to your business, uh, my advice is to definitely get hooked up to some some kind of training program. You need so like much learn. Up with I the know. Contractors <laughs> Association. Plug it here for well, uh, for GCA. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely, you know, that there's you you're already busy as a business owner. You yes. know everything that you do. There's probably a way to, to Google up a bunch of information and spend, I don't know, a ton of hours learning. Things change. So a lot of times, you know, you don't even know if what you're reading on the Internet is really the way it is right now or if that's the best way to do it. So I always recommend getting um, expert advice. And that's what I found in, in GCA uh, is being able to plug into to a system and an association where I can get current information and get my questions answered. Buki Openuga of uh, Motivate has been sharing some information about their digital marketing uh, company, Motivate, and, uh, and tying it in with how they've been able to build their business and expand its scope by interfacing with the government and, and doing so with the help of uh, Abe Siong at the Government Contractors Association. Um, 
you know, Abe, you want to introduce us to our, our next guest here, and then we can kind of learn a little bit about what they do and how you've been able to work with them as well. Sure. Uh, Barbara came to me about a year, a little bit over a year ago, and she said, Abe, I'm retired, but I'm not retired <laughs> because I still got <laughs> dreams. I still got, I want to live my life. All my life I've lived it for my kids. I lived it for other people's kids as a school teacher and then eventually as a principal. But now I've got, I got my whole life ahead of me. And so I said, so what do you want to do? Barbara said, I want to write poetry. I want to put my books out, and I want to start a business. I said, Barbara, if you are serious about what you want to do, then I can help you. I love helping people like Barbara. So that's kind of how we met. And so we, so we started from very ground zero with, yes. with Amira. And yes. so we had to create a logo. We had to create a website. We had to create all her marketing literature. And finally, she's at a point where she won a contract. So go ahead, Barbara. Tell well, us a little bit about Myra. I'm, I'm interested to learn where <laughs> the tutorial you. services come into play as it relates to working with the government agencies. So, yeah, I'll be interested to tie oh, that okay. in as well. But uh, tell me about uh, Myra and, and, you know, your inspiration for it. Well, um, after having worked 42 years as a public school educator and retiring and realizing that I'm not done yet, I have all of this knowledge and all of this free time that I'm not accustomed to, I need to keep busy. And so um, went to the computer looking for something that would just spark my attention and found the, the name Amira and decided that I would define uh, Amira in terms of my business uh, in uh, African language, in uh, the Hebrew language, and the Arabic language, it means princess. But I also found another definition for Amira that said powerful and confident. I said, oh, that's me. Mm. And so that's how that's I came up with the name princess. Amira. <laughs> yes. So, you were, so you were looking into names to begin with and, yes. and just looking at what different names meant and found one that uh, spoke to you. Yes. That's great. And once I found the name, then I thought, okay, tutorials, tutorials. Teaching is tutorials. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I ended up in the tutorial business because I realized – all of my training, knowledge, skills, and, and, and years of working all pointed to teaching. I cannot get back in as a teacher and touch as many students, but as a tutor with a tutorial services, I can touch many more lives throughout Metro Atlanta. So that's what I decided to do. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, going forward, it seemed like doors just started to open, open for me. So with... Um, Amira, were you beginning to reach out and interface with schools and say, hey, I'm available for, for services oh, after yes. hours during, during school time, as, et cetera? Yes. What I did was um, I created a flyer and a letter and brochure, of course, and sent them out to schools, letting them know that I'm here and followed up with phone calls and visits. And when I went to one school in particular, the principal said, oh, uh, I've heard some good things about you, and uh, I'd like for you to talk to my bookkeeper. And so I went and talked with the bookkeeper, and she gave me some forms to fill out, and that's how the door opened. <laughs> she had already done her homework on me, I the see. person, not necessarily Amira, right. but my 42 years of experience, yeah. which spoke to her. And because of that, the bookkeeper started the, uh, started the process, and... Um, I'm in. I have a contract with uh, an elementary school in DeKalb County through Title I funds to provide tutorial assistance to her students in grades three through five 
through the end of the school year. Now, do you do that at the end of the day, or do you come in during the daytime and provide, like, on-site type services? We come in during the school day. We're there from 8 until 2, and we tutor students. We do a pull-out model for some, and some is in-class model, depending on how the teacher wants to structure the program for her classroom. Now, are you working with small groups, or is it more one-on-one? Small groups. Okay. In some instances, it's, it's smaller groups, depending on the number of students who have needs in that classroom. But um, uh, we tutor up to as many as 12. I see that your focuses are, are, are spread among reading, mathematics, and language arts. Are there particular challenges or needs areas that you focus on within those different, you know, educational focuses? Yes, for mathematics is problem solving and for reading is comprehension for the most part. Mm -hmm. And um, do you have particular strategies that you found that would would assist you in, in helping a child that's kind of struggling with those areas that uh, that help them you know achieve their potential better? Yes, we have access to the resources there at the school and we have our own resources that uh, I've collected and my staff members have collected. What happens is we have retired educators who are still certified and they don't want to work as a greeter someplace. They want to continue working as educators. And so what they do is they keep their resources. When they retire, they take them and store them in their garage. Right. And so when they come to the school, they bring their resources with them. I see. So in combination with the school's resources, we're able to provide those um, uh, materials that students can learn best uh, by using a combination of, of resources. So with, with Amira Tutorial Services, are you interfacing, is, are you focusing mainly on uh, your work on the school sites or are, are folks in the community able to just link up with you at a one-on-one? -on -one? My child, for example, um, used a, a tutor on a one-on-one -on -one basis at, at after school. We would go to her, her place and, and uh, you know, she would get her services there. But is your focus both sides you do one-on-one -on -one if somebody wants that you know either at their home or yours or or some place or do you do it all at the school site currently we are not providing one-on-one -on -one services off-site I gotcha we provide our services within the school gotcha. uh, on the school grounds and um, during the school day and for us right now that works best uh, the liabilities involved in all of the other going to the homes and on weekends and that we just don't do that right now there may be a place down the line for that but right now we're focusing in school so how many tutors do you have working with you now is it is it primarily you or you have some other folks that are providing their services along with you right now I have four tutors working uh, for the company and I have one part-time secretary and myself so are That's you going to be the next Kumon, basically? I hope so. <laughs> is that yes, where the goal we'll is, to, yes, to provide yes, a, and, kind and of a brick-and-mortar location that, that does some on-site services? Yes, and right now I am in communication with another school district uh, in Metro Atlanta, talking to them about bringing Amira into a couple of their schools. I see. And so you, you, you'll take anybody K through 12? Yes. Okay. Yes. So tutorial services and the government. Take me through that. How, how, how does that uh, come together? Is it more from a, a, a situation of who is paying for the services, uh, whether it's uh, some kind of a state funding or something like that uh, that would come into play? Where does the government fit into your, your, your business? Well, some of the schools in Metro Atlanta fall within the category of needs improvement, and so they get Title I funds. They're considered Title I schools. And because they're Title I schools, they get the resources, the funding 
to provide additional assistance to students who are in greater need of attention. And so because they have the funds there and teachers are working during the school day, they cannot provide all the services needed. Right. But they have the funding to bring in resources, human resources and material resources, to assist them so that they can eventually work their way off of the Title I school status. Now, now tell me, you know, how this link got to, got, got sure. to be and then, uh, you know, got us to where we are today. So everything that's uh, a lot of the government space, not only are we talking about federal government, but we're talking about state government, mm -hmm. we're talking about local government, mm -hmm. local municipalities. All of that is tied back to government contracting. So part of what we do at the association is identify where there's a match for business in the government space. So it might be local government, it might be federal, it might be state, and it might be even a procurement mechanism like a hospital system because all of, all of these organizations use a procurement process. And so I help, help a business identify what would be the best match for their company. And so if it's like for Barbara's situation, it was the school system that was the best match for tutoring services. Gotcha. Um, and Buki, when you were looking at uh, the government uh, as a potential customer for your services, did you, how did you determine who you're going to do business with? From what I understand, I mean, obviously there's, as Abe is talking about, there's many, many facets and That's many right. focuses uh, of the government. How do you figure out where you're going to be? Do you just kind of start, is it kind of like following the rabbit hole and you never know where you're going to end up as you start looking through different resources? How does it go? Well, in our case, uh, first I had to decide, pretty much look at the different kind of procurement systems they have, the different processes, the different types of contracts they put out. And we eventually settled on uh, focusing largely on the federal space. So like he talked about, you have the state, you have the local, you have cities, you have county. Uh, we decided to focus on the federal, and, and the 8A certification is on a federal level. I see. For us, it was a better strategy to focus on, on the large agencies, and, and then within the, those to decide which ones of them uh, procure more on the digital uh, side of things, and then going after it that way. So I think as, as, as a business continues to grow and add more services to what they do, they can kind of continue to review that and decide on which agencies they want to kind of target. I see. And mm -hmm. so for you, Barbara, with Amira Tutorial Services, are you going to be kind of following that strategy as it relates to focusing on, obviously, the school systems? Yes. Uh, and maybe county government or, or staying that, that kind of state or lo local level government to, to, to kind of grow your business? Is it kind of a, it would seem like that would be a key strategy for you to grow it, your services. It is. And what we're looking at right now, we are not only looking at the public schools, we're looking at the charter schools and the parochial schools in metro Atlanta. CW, there's a a process in terms of how government reports their spending and so part of what I do with every businesses that we work with is we help identify which agents there's over 185,000 agencies out there mm -hmm. so when you add up the state local and, and federal there's so many agencies so but because of transparency regulations every single agency have to report how they spend and who are they spending that money with so by looking at the data, usaspending.gov is a great website to track these spendings that the government have and will identify where the money is being spent at. And then because, so in Buki's situation, we'll look at, okay, she's in IT, she's in web design. We'll look at which agency is spending the most money with web design. 
So in the metro Atlanta area, the CDC is spending the most when it comes to IT services and web related services. And so we, so we identify that CDC is a great agency for her to work with. Interesting. Um, do you have uh, each of you? Do you have a, a additional advice for your peers that uh, you know? I know Buki shared a little bit of information. How about you, Barbara? For for your colleagues in the community that may be thinking about uh, doing something similar or working with the government, uh, as you began to go through the process of being able to deal, you know, and do business with the government agencies, have you found anything that you would say oh, this is a good thing to know about as you're going in? Well, for me, um, the good thing has been that Abe was there to guide me through this <laughs> process. Mm -hmm. it sounds because like it's a real I key attempted, component. Right. Yeah. I attempted to do this on my own uh, several different times, and it just failed on me because I did not have the skills and expertise in that area. I may have had it in the educational arena, yeah. but not necessarily in how to get my business from A to Z. And so Abe was quite instrumental there and also in supporting me in terms of seeing that if you want your business to reach the level of success that you want it to be, uh, you must invest that time beyond 40 hours. If you were working for someone else, of course, that's 40. But beyond that, you have got to take ownership of the time as well as ownership of your business. And so that's what spurred me along, and that's how I was able to speed up the process to get to where I am today. And so I, I strongly suggest that if you want to get into this business, uh, you have to have some coach out there who can guide you along the pathway to success. Uh, and then there are those of us like myself, once we get there, we're willing to share bits and pieces of information, but it's not like having a coach to guide you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or kick you in the shin, right? <laughs> That's right. And before we jump off of the air today, we'll come back around and make sure that uh, you share your website and social media information. So bear that in mind. And we'll uh, jump over here and talk to Kenny Miller from uh, Sweet Life Systems. Uh, so thanks again for making some time today, Kenny. It's my pleasure to be here. So Thank take you. us through your story. You're, you've got some consulting functions that you provide, but uh, you're, you're, you're a part of Sweet Life Systems. And it, in looking at the website for Sweet Life, there's a number of different solutions and focuses and verticals that you might be able to provide some uh, services to. So take me through your background and kind of get us up to where you got to Sweet Life, and then we'll jump into that. All right, very well. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It's an honor to be here with such successful business people, and uh, it's nice to be here at this table. It's good to see you again. Same Long here. time stranger yes. now. Yes, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, um, I interfaced with uh, Krista the first time uh, she was um, through the AES Association. Was I it was the Christmas Simpty. party? Mm -hmm. Oh, yep, man, it seems like met. so long ago. Yep, uh, the Society for Motion Picture Television Engineers and uh, Audio Engineering Society. Uh, which Krista is a part of, uh, had an annual uh, Christmas party. That's how we met, and um, we got recently connected on LinkedIn, and so um, uh, she's good enough to invite me to this program, and I'm, I'm really delighted to be here. Um, Sweet Life Systems, we offer uh, monitoring control solutions for technology and facilities where uh, engineering and operational folks need to uh, do their daily jobs uh, monitoring the technology allows them to uh, focus on their skills or, or their their business uh, without having to worry about the technical problems that are occurring. So it, it allows uh, enables a more efficient environment for dealing with technical problems, knowing when the technical problems are going to occur, 
uh, and more or less in a preemptive mode. Um, <coughs> uh, Sweet Life Systems has a large footprint in the broadcast space. We uh, are used for transmitter remote site monitoring by uh, a large number of television broadcasters and radio broadcasters. Um, yeah, I saw your, you know, when I was looking at the website, I noticed some information on there about broadcast. I was very curious about how you interface with that kind of space. Well, it's, uh, it, you know, the, the cool thing about our software product, it's, um, it's really ag agnostic as far as uh, what applications it can work with or what technology uh, pieces it can work with. Uh, and it's, it's truly uh, uh, unique that it can interface with buildings and monitoring of things like power systems, heating and air systems, so as well as the technology that fits within the facility. So what we're talking about... It sounds like, you know, and without propping a competitor if they are one, I, I interviewed a gentleman from a company called Predicto Analytics, and they're able to monitor system sensors of different types mm -hmm. um, in heavy manufacturing uh, and transportation type situations where there's high value assets. If this piece of equipment goes offline, it's either a catastrophe right. or um, big money. Right. And it sounds like that's kind of what you do to some extent you're able to say to company x hey we've got this piece of equipment out here we're getting some readings from your system sensors as soon as that when we say monitoring that's what we're following we're, we're taking the system data yes. machine data uh, and compiling that hopefully into some sort of picture apparently yes and um, <clears throat> with that uh, we have the ability to monitor aggregate data from thousands of devices across hundreds of sites. So for like NBC Universal, uh, Fox Television, we, they have hubs where they monitor, remote monitor their facilities, uh, each one of their transmitter facilities. And actually uh, with, with Fox Television, they monitor their content delivery to all of their TV facilities using our software. So we monitor the health of all of the technology pieces that are involved in that chain. Uh, all the way out to the transmitter site and we aggregate that data into a graphical user interface where uh, lesser skilled uh, operators can uh, be at the helm of, of watching the screens to know if there's a problem. Uh, we utilize uh, macros to uh, automate failovers uh, to where some of the uh, operations can be unattended entirely as well. Uh, preemptive monitoring, cautionary states of the technology to let uh, operators know that there's a, a pending problem so you can eliminate the costly part of being all fair during a commercial time uh, for a broadcaster which is where it gets business critical so we're at the business critical end of uh, the transmitter sites uh, which is where their money maker is, is largely going out the air we're at the business end on the studio side of uh, content playout and all of the infrastructure monitoring uh, all of the unique management systems like um, the, which um, each in a TV studio <coughs> let me back up in a TV studio you have uh, many management systems for all of the uh, technology that it takes to get a signal out to air whether if it's a uh, content playout or if it's a uh, live production and so um, all of these different unique management systems have the ability to alarm engineers uh, if there's problems where our software comes in is we're a manager of managers. We bring all of those different management systems up to one screen so operators can know exactly uh, what the problems are and get to the root cause of a problem as opposed to 
10 engineers run in 10 different directions when there's a technical problem in so a So it facility. kind of puts a wizard behind the curtain. You can actually see this big <coughs> kind of amalgamation of, of information all into kind of one kind of interface that yes. they're looking at. Yes, and the graphical user interface will it'll set up to where it actually gives you an image of the devices and there's levels of drill down that are all customizable to how operators need to see the technology. So a top level might be uh, a United States map with all of the locations of the different facilities that might break down into a regional map and then it might get down to each TV station and then at the TV station there might be a, a top level view that would be the transmitter site uh, and then the studio site and then breaking down from there it might go into the tech core where you would have a rack elevation of a, of a view of all of the equipment that's being monitored and if there's a blinking light on any piece of gear you can click on that piece of gear operators can drill down and, and find out exactly what the problem is on that piece of gear and further drill downs to uh, an html web page where they can actually get into the uh, user manual or the uh, admin level or the uh, operational level of the system itself. So obviously broadcasting is one of the spaces where you're able to provide some, it sounds like business critical value. Um, do you have, in terms of penetration, who's not using it? I mean, are there, are there companies out there broadcasting or you know, whether they're larger or smaller that are not yet taking advantage of software solutions like this? Well, th there are many companies that, that utilize it, but to deploy it uh, is not a trivial matter. It, it takes a lot of time, and this, is, uh, this type of technology tends to border on the infrastructure side of things, not the, um, where the content is, content being king. That's where they focus more of their attention. So we offer turnkey services to where we can go and build these systems for them, or we can assist them with training programs on, on how to deploy them systems themselves. But uh, once they deploy this technology, it's one of those things that it works well. Um, and it's hard to get back around to it, uh, what I call a to-it syndrome. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to get back around to it, uh, perfecting it, growing it, and, and enabling it. So um, many companies monitor some part of their facility. Our opportunity for growth is where we're helping them expand that, uh, those systems to monitor more and be more effective across the board. Uh, the largest footprint being um, transmitter sites. In many cases, uh, that's all that the TV station or radio station monitor is what's going on at the transmitter site. While they've got at the studio site many all kinds of technical gear, yeah. pieces yeah. that, uh, and they actually have a harder time of figuring out what the root cause of the problem is, especially when they've been awoken uh, at 2.30 in the morning and they're talking to uh, the on-air guy or whoever's at the station and somebody's talking with their hands on the phone and they can't really understand what they're talking about or where the location of the problem is. So with the graphical user interface that we supply, it'll, it enables an operator to talk to an engineer and say, this device here is, is blinking. It uh, looks like uh, there's a problem. Um, perhaps an engineer can direct him on a corrective action possibly, or he knows exactly what to do and he can say, well, that's not gonna take us off air, so don't worry about that, I'll get with it in the morning. So he can make some technology decisions. So it sounds like the relationship for whatever industry you're working with, whether it's broadcasting or some of the others, and hopefully we can cover a little bit of that as well before we have to go, but um, it sounds like there's a, it's, it's kind of an ongoing relationship that you, more more of a subscription type relationship where I'm paying kind of a 
uh, subscription, if you will, or a license, ongoing license to have this additional assistance versus a project where I'm going to come in and we're going to install this software application solution for you and then once it's kind of implemented then you're good to go and you're more or less self-sufficient it sounds like we we become kind of partners as we go down the road it, that, that's true we uh, we offer 24 7 support and many of our broadcasters use that on a regular basis as they're growing the system or is there it's a software based solution so it sits on a Windows server they may be upgrading the server or doing things like that adding devices and all of those um, the, as long as uh, they're up to date on their support, uh, uh, all of those uh, areas of growth and uh, technical concerns are, are covered by our 24-7 guys that uh, are faithful to, to respond quickly. Um, one area that the systems uh, are useful is where they record all of the data, all of the fault occurrences that, that take place. And uh, that's important. It's actually required by the federal government speaking of what we're the FCC requires uh, reports and logs and so uh, our software allows them to uh, keep those records there it's easy for them to archive those records and so when mr. FCC walks in the door they can just simply hand him either paper reports or a disk or however they've got that in whatever form so that's critical but the long-term effect of all, all of the data that they aggregate depending on how well they've got this technology deployed they can actually make technology decisions in power management applications they can see how um, their power bill is trending uh, and they can see how they can grow using this technology to um, work toward more green initiatives uh, enabling um, um, better usage of the uh, if-then scenarios with the macros to where they can uh, one we have one um, uh, casino in, in Las Vegas that's using our software to manage how quickly the lights turn on. So if a casino turns on all of the exterior lights uh, at one time, they get a what's called a peak rate uh, that's enormous on their power bill. Gotcha. Huh. And by simply using our software to do an offset of, of 10 seconds for each bank or each group of lights, uh, they can keep that peak rate down, and it saves them tens of thousands of, of dollars a month. I see. Yeah. And, and, and that was, what I was one of the things I was going to ask you about as I was looking at the website. It talked about power management and, and green endeavors, for example. It talks about those types of things. So what you're saying there, the, the return on investment there is obvious. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that, uh, that I like to talk about is, you know, in a B2B solution is that that's what it's going to do. You're either going to put more money on the top line because of our solution. We're either going to do a better job of data or uh, lead generation, for example, so we're going to have more sales, or we're going to be more efficient, so more money drops to the bottom line, and that sounds like if I invest in your solution, then there are a number of areas across my enterprise where I'm either going to save money, based on mm -hmm. what you're saying, because I was curious, how, how do you help manage power, but what a, what a place that I would assume for many people or many businesses would be easy to overlook. You wouldn't yeah. even think about that. We just it's dark. We've got to flip the lights on. Right. <laughs> well, and, and, and in, in technology-related facilities like TV broadcasters, uh, IT data centers, and things of that nature, power is critically important. So they'll, uh, tech companies will spend large amounts of money on backup systems. Uh, they have to deploy transfer switches uh, uh, for the backups. Uh, and a lot of these devices... Uh, have some of their own monitoring systems and they can report problems where uh, our software comes in the the access monitoring software and the suite of tools that we have uh, it comes in to uh, 
bring all that data up and you can actually monitor the facility related issues with the technology that's also in the same facility in many cases and uh, it helps them manage anything that might take them off air uh, or anything that would cost them money on their business. So broadcast um, arena of a variety of, of media sounds like um, you mentioned um, the casino in Las Vegas. So talk, talk about real quickly, because I, I can't, I was just looking at the clock. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're already running out of time. So in addition to your broadcast areas, who, who else is your client? Who needs you that may not know it today? Uh, telcos, cable MSOs, uh, IT network entities. We're doing more and more uh, technology monitoring in facilities like House of Worship, where there's uh, multiple campuses and they've got technology that's critical to their presentation. Uh, to their content delivery or to their everyday uh, uh, operation, uh, whether if it's uh, conferencing type equipment. Many of these devices have uh, what we call uh, connection types of uh, either serial or SNMP connections. Uh, SNMP is very common network uh, protocol IT based uh, connection type. We can interface with any of this technology um, and then we can pull the data out and we can help whoever's responsible for that technology uh, manage and monitor it very effectively. In most cases with where, where we really come in is that the technical resources in these facilities are, are very minimal. Mm -hmm. And in some cases it's a more of an operator-based guy who's also got levied with the technical support <laughs> yeah. uh, managing all of that. And so our solution can help him manage a lot of that. And then he's got more time to focus on the business of whether if it's production, content creation, uh, live production, whatever it is. Kenny Miller of Sweet Life uh, Systems has been sharing some information about all the cool technology solutions that they have that will help your you know, large or small enterprise or even nonprofit organizations save money through power and, and through uh, keeping key uh, components to your business online uh, through some uh, pretty sweet uh, monitoring applications that you have. Tell people how they can get in touch with you online through social media or website. Okay, our uh, website is uh, www.sweetlifesystems.com. We also have uh, our parent company, NFB Consulting, uh, is uh, nfbconsulting.com. Uh, and with NFB Consulting, we offer consulting services to take more of an agnostic approach from the technology to where we might use our suite of tools or we may use uh, another suite of tools to work toward whatever the client's application is. Uh, we do a large uh, number of uh, inter, uh, consulting projects for large MSOs and folks of that nature that have um, different types of monitoring needs, whether if it's ad insertion or if it's uh, content distribution, whatever it is. We'll have to have you come back with one of your local clients and they can talk about their company a little bit and how your solution is able to help them out. We'd love to do that. How about you, Barbara? Uh, you can reach me at www.amirallc.com or barbara at amirallc.com. And uh, one of the things that we uh, strongly uh, emphasize at Amira is that we provide pre and pro post testing for all of our students to show growth at the end of the school year. That's awesome. And Amira is A-M-Y-R-A. Yes. How about you? Uh, you can find us at govcontractors.org or govfasttrack.com. So those are our two websites. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on social media. So LinkedIn is uh, forward slash Abraham Sion, X-I-O-N-G. 
and uh, we'll tie in with you there. And lots of good information on your website as well. How about you, Buki? And you can find us at motivate.com. Motivate is M-O-D-A-V-A-T-E.com. Same thing on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And, uh, of course, we link up with all of our guests. And the only fee for being here is you got to link up with me on social media as well. <laughs> and if you haven't done that yet, it's uh, same on uh, Twitter and Facebook, and that's MidtownBRX um, on both Facebook and Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I think I'm in linked up with you, most of you already, but I'll be so you know shortly right after the show here as well. Um, make sure that you make an appointment to uh, see us next week. Get to know these uh, companies that are on here today. They obviously have some uh, great insight and some solutions for your business. And uh, thanks to all of our guests today for making time out of your busy schedules to uh, share some information about what you're doing. Thanks to Krista Baruti on the board. Have a safe and happy holiday, everybody. New well, Year's. It's going to be a new year. It's new Year's. Mm. New it's Year's happening. Eve, Eve. It's so happening. Have a great uh, holiday week this week, and uh, we'll see you all same time, same place next week.